Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Sunday morning on Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. If you haven't joined us before, this is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people. People in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their decision-making and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and mental health. Today's show is about relationship breakdowns. We will all experience a relationship breakdown at some point in our lives, but some are bigger than others. Some involve children and the splitting of assets. Some are vitriolic and some are amicable. What is the difference and how do we navigate those seas? Is it possible to divorce and still be friends with your ex? Now, my guest in the studio to help me consider this topic is Jean Gamble, a practicing psychotherapist, top contributor to this show, international presenter, very relatable and ready and willing to tackle what we will be most useful for us today to understand the whys and wherefores of relationship breakdowns. Welcome, Jean. Thank you, Lucy, for having me. Pleasure to be here. Now, we all have pictures of what marriage is. We all have a picture of, of, of what we think or hope it will be as children. We're delivered those pictures in a way by society, by our families, by our friends. It's loving, there are no arguments, it's honeymoon period all the way. You know, sometimes we talk about the seven-year itch or the nine-year nightmare and slowly I think people start seeing that there's a lack of communication and you build separate lives and then you declare irreconcilable differences in court. There's a bit that goes from that amazingly happy picture of something that's really very special and very different and very perfect to ending up where it is. It feeds a picture of failure, I think, of, of that you didn't manage to live up to that picture. But I'd love us, if that's okay, Jean, to kind of break down why we even subscribe to that picture in the first place. One of the things I did notice is that the divorce rates are going down. Um, people who marry, in fact, stay together a little bit longer than people that live in de facto relationships. That we're taking a little longer to make the decision to get married. So on, on as a general rule, we're marrying later. That civil ceremonies account for 74% of all the wedding ceremonies. In the UK, it's 70%, over 30. Here, it's um, we're slightly higher on the civil ceremonies. Jean, why do relationships fail, do you think, as a general rule? There are a number of reasons why relationships fail. And I think even using the word fail is a bit of a... Um, it's planting a picture, it's planting a seed that maybe isn't the right seed because when a relationship dissolves, is it really a failure or is it the end of something that's broken and the possibility of a new beginning? 
for the people involved. So firstly, I just want to say, is the word fail the one we want to use? We could say when relationships end or when a couple decides to split up. To me, that's a better way of describing it than a failure. Um, in my work as a couple's counsellor, I can sometimes have people come and see me for counselling and they can end up after a period of time wanting to leave each other and doing it in a way that is respectful, very kind for the children and a, a success to leave this relationship for both of them. And sometimes <clears throat> through the work we do, they can reconcile their differences and continue to flourish in the relationship. So neither is a failure nor a success. It's just a beginning or an ending. Ah, oh, that that takes that takes where we're going in this show to a whole new level because as you say, if we have a picture, we're likely we're more likely to subscribe to the fail model. And if we approach a relationship as an unfolding and as a relationship that is deepening and ever evolving, we're more likely to be able to learn lessons from it and and understand that uh, that it's a mutual understanding that we come to. There used to be um, a, a laying fault for a divorce. And then in 1975, I think it was, there was the no-fault rule that came in and the divorce rate jumped enormously, um, which I found... I mean, it was it was sad, but at the same time, it just showed that actually, I don't think we do necessarily want to blame anyone. It's just that there is a there's a mutual, and that's what you've shared in your couples counselling. There is a mutual understanding that that no one is necessarily completely at fault. That there are things that lead to one doing something that it, people can't go beyond, perhaps. I think. Um a lot of relationships break up because of differing awarenesses. So when you enter into the relationship, you're both on the same, you could say, vibrational frequency. You, you're both um, on, on a par with your values and how you see life. And then as time goes by, the couple, the, the, the two people, even in a same-sex relationship, this happens, at, and even with, with friendships. So it's not just marriage relationships, it's all relationships. As time goes by, one of you begins to change the frequency at which you vibrate. So I'm talking about your, your inner sense of values and um, how you view life, your level of awareness begins to change, possibly because of your work or you might read things or you might enter into a therapy or find a spiritual path. Something will cause you to um, change how you used to view the world and your partner does not see those changes. It could be health and well-being. Sometimes you decide, okay, I want to live healthy. I don't want to go out to parties and do what we used to do and the other person still wants that because they haven't kept pace with the way you want to change and that can cause a rift and then you know the, the, the one who wants the change has the choice of saying okay I won't pursue that interest because it doesn't suit the person I'm in relationship with 
And that's a kind of holding back or cutting off a part of yourself in order to make the relationship work. Or the other one says, no, I don't want that goal that you're pursuing. I don't want to live like that. (coughs) So if they can't get on board, then it's better that we part company. Yeah, yeah. And and that little bit where it says, okay, well, I won't pursue that because it's it's pushing your buttons or it's, you know, it's not it's not working. It's you don't want to go there with me. I've noticed in past relationships where I've done that a little part of me. I it, it's looking back on it now, I could use the words a little part of me died. Um, I remember really wanting to go and learn how to 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 dance. And my partner that at the time wasn't really into going out and dancing. He was more into going out and sitting in a pub and drinking, whereas I wanted to be more active. And I remember that when we actually did end up splitting up, that was one of the key things that I remember is doing immediately is actually signing up for that dance course and learning how to jive and and, and actually bringing that movement into my body that I felt I had denied myself until it was like a volcano waiting to erupt. Yeah, and that denying a part of ourselves, even if we're choosing consciously to say, okay, I won't pursue my dancing or my my um, health policy or my interest in macrobiotics or whatever it is, yeah. macrame, yeah. thinking of M's. Um, <laughs> letting that part of ourselves die, it could be okay for one part, but then another part, as the, the road between the two of you diverges, you start to allow more and more parts of you to die in order to keep the status quo. And those dead parts eventually cause a resentment and then the there's a lack of that resentment feeds a lack of decency a lack of respect and we get kind of derision and contempt coming in because we're not living how we really want to live we're compromising ourselves for the sake of keeping the relationship alive and i think all relationship requires some compromise Mm. but a level of compromise that's tolerable is very different to one that's killing off parts of ourselves. Hmm. Is it, is it you know, um, irrational to expect a relationship, one relationship that in a, in, with a dedicated partnership as in a, um, a, a lover to last all your life? No, I don't think it's irrational. I think it's possible. And... Um, when you asked me the first question of what goes wrong in relationships, I think that some of what goes wrong in relationships, and I'll come back to the the rational question of whether it lasts forever, um, what can go wrong is that we pick our partner based on a picture of how we think it's going to look. And that picture is often connected to a need. So... I have something missing in my life and when I'm with you, I don't notice that thing missing. You fill that little square of my pizza that's missing and I feel wonderful. But then as I grow and develop, I push that little square out. I don't need that anymore. And so the the changes that I was referring to earlier occur when the relationship is based on need I feel fabulous when I'm with him or her and I need him or her to be there so that I can continue to feel fabulous. And then after a while, 
there's a kind of power struggle gets set up between the two and I don't feel so fabulous anymore. So then I start to work on feeling fabulous on my own and I don't need you so much. But the, the, the relationship was based on the need. And so when I don't need you so much anymore, the wheels start to fall off. And whether we can look at this as lasting forever or not is all of us grow and develop in our levels of awareness. We evolve in life from the mewling, puking infant to the crone. There's a level of evolution that is offered us just through life. Even if you're not pursuing evolution consciously, the fact that you have to learn to dress yourself, go to school, get a job, you know, it's a, it's a growth. It's an awareness evolving thing. And if you evolve at different rates, you maybe have to separate because the vibration or the level at which you're evolving has shifted and it's no longer on a par. But I've been married for 44 years and I'm probably the happiest I've ever been at the moment with my husband. And we've managed, we had parts where we were diverging and our frequencies didn't match. And then we've been able to get back on track where we do respect each other and we are able to connect and then have a sense of purpose together. And that's brought us back on track. My guest today is Jean Gamble. We're talking about how to navigate the rough seas of a relationship breakdown. But does it need to be messy? Does it need to be what we think it's going to be? Is one person always going to lose out? Jean, would I be right in in saying that it does feel like there is an agreement when you go into a relationship, perhaps unspoken about what you like, what I like, what we have in common, and that on the whole, the deal is that that's why we were attracted to each other and and um, we don't change that? Yeah, I think you're right, Lucy. Um, a lot of relationships start off with a kind of arrangement where a deal where I'll be I'll be this and you be that and then we can both feel good but after a while me being this becomes constrictive and I don't really want to be this anymore because my life's changing and I'm growing and developing or changing and so it becomes then a um, imposition for me to be this and then I stop being what it was that we had silently or unconsciously agreed to. And that sets a little bit of a, um, a spike through the arrangement that we made. But as I said earlier, if the relationship's built or based on need, then when that need stops being filled, that's exactly when uh, that spike can set in. If we look at another basis for relationship, we could say, that all relationships follow a kind of trajectory. So whether you're, it's the person who you buy your coffee from or the bus driver or your one true love, if you start your relationship on the premise that you will be decent to everybody. <coughs> so decency becomes the bottom line. Mm. And then you say, okay, I'm going to offer respect now, not everybody earns your respect. Some people don't get respected because their behavior doesn't demand that they be respected. So that relationship stops at the first tier of decency. And then if you've got decency and respect, you can bring in connection. 
where you deeply connect with that person. And again, this doesn't have to be your 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 partner. Yeah. It can be anybody. Yeah, because we are in what, what the the way that you shared that we're in connection with everybody. As you say, if we get on a bus, we are in relationship with the person on the bus, the yeah. bus conductor or the bus the person who's taking our ticket. If we go in and buy. Um, our coffee, then it's the person we're buying the coffee for, or the herbal tea. Hello, let's cut down on the coffee. Um, <laughs> you know, but we're in relationship with all these different people in our lives. And we it can be a one-off. But some, if we consider the people we see daily and the connections we have, so people through school, people through our work, those are quite long-standing relationships that as you say, we must bring a level of res- of decency from us in all that we do. Then, um, then see if there is that mutual respect. But surely we have to bring that first. We bring the decency and respect from us as our lived way. Would well, you say? I think the res- the decency is the bottom line. You're just decent to everybody. Yes. Yep. But there's certain people I don't respect because mm. of the choices they make and the way they live. Okay. And so I'm still decent. Yeah. I'm still loving. Yes. I still offer them myself. Mm. But if I were to say, do I respect that person? I would say, no, I don't. Mm. But I don't allow that lack of respect to influence how decent I am when I'm with that person. So there's a level of awareness that's required here. And this grows. Your level of awareness increases when you're in relationship with a a one-on-one relationship or a house share. Because when you live alone, you're not reminded of how unaware you are because it's only you there. Yes. But when you live with other people, even families, I mean, what I'm describing here about decency and respect applies to, to parents with their children as mm. well. So the fact that they're different doesn't mean you don't respect them. It's just whether they are making choices that you can respect. Yes. And if you can't, well, then this respect doesn't come into this relationship and we can't actually connect and go deeper. So it, it's not about if you don't agree with their decision, it's not about the judgment because y- the idea is um, that when you feel that level of connection and if you um, are, if your foundation is decent, then you can see the choices someone is making and bring understanding to why they are making those decisions. So there's a certain reading, isn't there, of of someone's background to why they're making the decisions they're making, which allows you to go, I can love that person, but I can actually choose not to go any further in that relationship. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. I can be love, I can offer love, but I don't want to connect any further because the reasons or the decisions they're making are not in accordance with my own set of values. And you don't judge them or label them. You just say, I don't want to pursue a deeper connection with this person. Mm. And that's your that's your prerogative. It is. And we actually need to teach our children totally. that that is our prerogative as well, don't we? Because we, we don't do that as parents. I certainly... Um, I certainly didn't teach my children when they were young to be able to say no to a relationship if it didn't feel right to them I would say that I was much more keen to say if it didn't feel right to me but then their level their bar is very different to mine that they might have been able to I might have been fooled by the niceness and they might have gone yeah mum no 
just know. And I did learn, I, I learned to trust their voice of reason in a lot of situations where I was fooled by the image that someone was portraying. Mm. And I, I do feel that once you've you've got this base of decency and then some will go to respect and then those that you can respect you want to connect with. And so you build a level of connection with those people in your life. And there are people that you could say you know them, but you don't connect deeply with them mm. for the reasons I've outlined. And then when we come together in connection, we get purpose dropped into that. So the purpose could be to live harmoniously together, to build a business together, to raise a family together, to bring more love into the world. I mean, goodness me, when you look at the world today, you can see that it's uh, it's not thriving on the love stakes. No. There's so much illness and disease. There's so much going on in, in Syria, Myanmar, everywhere where there's, we are dehumanizing people, um, you know, just burning girl children because there's you only want boy children mm. there's an awful lot of stuff that goes on that is pointing to the fact that a purpose could be to bring more love into the world and we're going to use our relationship to fill the tank of love in the world rather than drain it oh i like that so it doesn't it, it again this isn't about necessarily two people this is something bearing in mind we're talking about relationship breakdown there might be that feeling of how can I possibly love when I'm going through what I'm going through. But actually, if we step back and we go, okay, there's a breakdown here. There's a breakdown for whatever reason. If I'm able to look at perhaps my part in it, but what where I've lost myself and build that relationship of love with myself... I can then build my own sense of decency that I take out to the world and be accountable when I'm not being decent. I then have respect for myself, which means I can build connection with myself, which means I could connect to what my purpose here in life is. And my purpose might be, which in my book I think we all would want, is to bring more love to the world so that we have a ripple effect that we then actually do not attach to. What the right hand does, the left hand does not need to know about. You know, it's not for recognition. We just know that that there is a lack of love in the world and we can have a ripple effect. Yeah, I think that's a good purpose. Or your purpose could be to raise, to raise a family mm. or to go into business together. Um, so it, it doesn't really matter what the purpose is, but when you bring the connection, the purpose kind of gets dropped in or evolves from that connection. Mm. And then f you, you, you work on your purpose lovingly. And why I find this little model helpful is when couples are having their power struggle and they come into uh, arguing about... Did I said that, no, you didn't, you said this, I didn't do that, I did this, no, you didn't, I did that. So that kind of um, argument takes us nowhere mm. except into louder and more escalated levels of disharmony. And it's very damaging for children mm. to have parents in that, I did, you didn't, yes, I did, no, I didn't. You always this and that, no, I don't, you do. And we can cut that, stop that energy and say, hey, is this in line with our purpose of bringing more love or of raising a happy family or of having a successful business. And if it is not aligned with the purpose, you just chuck it right out 
we don't need to be right. It doesn't matter who's right. Giving up the need to be right is the first step towards solving relationship issues. Oh, man. I don't need to be right. I just say, oh, what if we just agree to differ here and come back to what are we trying to achieve? Oh, that's right. We want a more loving, harmonious household. Okay, how do we do that now? So having that fundamental concept of purpose just changes the whole dynamic of I'm right and you're wrong or I have to be right because if I'm not right, oh my goodness me, my leg will fall off, a tsunami Mm. will hit us, something terrible Mm. will happen. How does it work, Jean, when you've got one person who totally, someone who might be listening to this and go, I so get that, that's completely right. My partner, however, would not subscribe to that. How do I do that when I'm the only part or the only one in a in a separation dynamic that subscribes to that model? Well, I think you can have the conversation. So a large reason why couples separate is because they don't communicate. So you always have to express everything. Expression is everything in relationship. Mm. Thanking the bus driver, thanking the coffee person and saying, have a good day. Expressing builds relationship. So let's say you're listening to this at home or in your car today and you think, oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. And you go home and you say to your partner, hey, we need to have a mutual purpose here. I'm assuming you already have decency and respect. If you haven't got those two, come and see me. (laughs) Uh, So if it's a bit of decency and respect going on, then you can say, well, I want to connect more deeply with you. What's our purpose here? And is it simply to have a family that is more harmonious, more loving and bring more joy? And then he says, well, no, I don't want that. I want to keep fighting. I don't think so. Mm. I think this concept of selling your purpose is pretty, it's pretty basic. Yeah, you because know? our fundamental thing in life is that we, we love. Human beings love and yeah. they need love as a, as a life source. Yes. Um, therefore, if you are still in a relationship and still have that potential, then that is, that, that I would say is a conversation that, that is not going to be not agreed on. Uh, yeah. But what happens when you're mid-divorce, Jean, and there's no going back? How do you do it then? Okay, well, I'll, I'll come to that. I just want to say... <laughs> I'm trying to jump. <laughs> if, you've, if you have reached that point where you yeah. agree yes. that, yes, we want more love, and is this current behaviour serving that? No. Mm. Okay, I will swallow my need to be right and move to the next step of how... So I, I call it, we have the stairway to heaven, mm-hmm. And we can go on that staircase or we can descend into the murkiness of unhappy and toxic relationship. Mm. So in the moment when you're arguing or you need to be right, you just say purpose and is this stairway to heaven or is this descent into the murkiness? And that's how you cut the energy. Okay. If you've decided already that this relationship is untenable and it really doesn't suit us to be together, then I would say that your primary concern is to ditch naming, blaming, and shaming. Mm-hmm. Because that is not helpful. It's much nicer if you can say, we're not on a par anymore with our values and our, our thinking, how we view life. And it would serve us and our children or us and the rest of the household if I move out because this is not working anymore. It is an attempt that we made and it hasn't worked out. So it would be a success if we were to end it. 
And then we bring that same, what's the purpose, to end it in as harmonious and respectful fashion as possible, rather than our hurts getting in the way and needing to name, blame and shame the other for our hurts. So when you say, Jean, how, if we're divorcing, can we make it a successful separation? I would say, take responsibility to manage your own level of hurt and to keep decency and respect in the picture at all times, as much as is possible. But if you at least have that as a goal, you're less likely to descend into the muck and the mire. Mm. I feel quite... um, It makes me feel quite teary, you know, just because it's it's, it's such a more loving way to approach a separation um, and it and it gives so much respect to both parties to consider um, knowing that the most loving thing to do is not to live together and I and it is a, a stairway that descends downwards when there's a fighting over who gets what and who has what and who's owed what it doesn't It doesn't help anyone, does it, at all? Oh, my goodness. I know cases where the lawyers have received more than either of them because of the the fighting over the assets. And so if you bring that purpose of decency and respect, but often those battles over the assets are driven by the hurt. Yes, I'm sure. Because you've hurt me, I'm going to shaft you. I'm going to make sure you get nothing. And that's coming, it's not who that person is, Mm -hmm. it's coming out of their woundedness. Mm. So it's to take responsibility for the fact that I have been hurt and even the hurt, you know, I think sometimes when we diverge in our purpose and our values and our what we want out of life changes as we evolve and then we're no longer in the same boat as our partner. You could say, oh, that's really hurtful or that's just a matter of fact. Mm. You know, he no longer wants what I want. He wants something else. Do I need to be hurt by that or can I take responsibility to say, yeah, that's true? And we probably would be better off separating. Affairs often cause rupture in relationship and I've worked with a lot of couples who are where one or the other has, has cheated. Um, you know, you have to look at the affair as not the most heinous crime and say, what gave rise to the affair? What was going on in the relationship that somebody needed to go outside and find what they wanted? So perhaps if it's the whichever party is finding the need to go outside, then they are not getting what they need within the relationship. And it's possible they're not asking Mm -hmm. for what they want in the relationship, which is, again, the communication and the expression and the awareness. So you've got to connect with, oh, um, I don't, there's not enough sex. I I feel like, you know, once every six years just isn't cutting it for me. Mm -hmm. And so then you can express this and then the other party can say, yes, well, I don't want to do that anymore. And then you say, why not? And then they say, because I don't, I don't like how it feels. Okay, well, tell me how it would, you would like it to feel. Well, I don't know. I've just kind of gone off the whole thing. Well, that's not going to cut it for us. So let's come back to the whole thing and like two virgins, hold hands and work out what we want now because it's not the same as it used to be. And so we go really slowly and we say, I like this, I don't like that. 
Can I have a little bit? No, no, that's too much. Higher? No, lower. No, a little bit higher. Oh, that's too fast. Can you go? No, that's too slow. <laughs> Perhaps a little less. Oh, no, more pressure. Less pressure. Oh, that's just right. Just hold it there for a minute. And you might think that the other party by now has thrown in the towel and thought, well, stuff this for a bunch of soldiers. Yeah. But actually, when both of you commit to the purpose of bringing your relationship back into physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, you can be amazed at with that level of communication and that level, that's just right. Right now, that's perfect. Oh, my darling, that is beautiful. Yeah. So it's not always do this, do that, do this, do that. It's also the feedback of, yes, that's just right. Yeah. Thank you, sweetie. So there's this level again of, of transparency and being... I was having this conversation with a couple recently and the wife, who's a second marriage, she's quite a, a mature lady, was saying, are we allowed to ask for that much? Can we go into that much detail of what we want? And I said, allowed by whom? Mm-hmm. Of course you must ask for what you want, otherwise you end up avoiding it mm-hmm. and then he climbs the walls or the other way around, she climbs the walls. Yeah. So you have to say, if we want physical intimacy, Let's let's work on it. Let's commit to that as purpose, and then com- give it commitment so that it works, and then we get that level of physical intimacy back into our lives. It's exciting. Yeah, it sounds exciting, and it sounds like the the that there are probably a lot of conversations that haven't gone on to get to the place where one or other goes out and finds physical intimacy somewhere else then the breakdown of the communication on that the communication on that intimate level not the act of physical sexual intimacy but the intimacy between two people and what they feel and what they want and what working each other out yes that actually going back to dating is is a beautiful reset button for all of us in any relationship and never presuming that we know the reality of the other person who's part of that relationship with us without being prepared to openly say, you know, how are you going? What's going? What do you like? What don't you like? Let's have some fun. I mean, it sounds quite playful to me. It is playful. But, you know, Lucy, quite often as we change, say like women who've menopaused, your whole anatomy and physiology shifts. And so you eat differently because you don't need as much food anymore because you're not having that cycle. Yeah. And you dress differently as you mature. But people tend to think that, oh, I'm changing. Everything about me is changing, but I'm still doing sex the old way. Mm. So how is that going to work? So it is, it's going back to dating and exploring a new way that we can relate physically. Mm. So, but often women will say, I don't know what I want. Kind of men want to go bump, 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 whoosh. Yeah. But women don't want that anymore. No. Because it, it doesn't work for me anymore. No. And then you say to her, if you've got a lovely man and he says, well, what do you want, sweetheart? And she says, I don't know. I just don't want to go there anymore. It's I don't know because I'm not bothering to be aware of myself enough to find out. And if I do experiment, I'm scared it's going to go back to bump, 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 whoosh, and I don't want that anymore. Yeah. So it's really to really meet each other in tenderness in respect with the purpose of getting our sex life back on track whatever that looks like so when we look at someone who's gone for bump 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 whoosh outside of the relationship if 
if there is that if there is a part of you that would like to to see if you can make the relationship work again it's about understanding how much has broken down between both parties in their equal responsibility to communicate within that relationship and that's where getting a third party and some counseling would really help to 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 understand what that even sounds or looks like so that you can recognize when the naming shaming and blaming comes in that might actually have been their more normal way of communicating with each other to actually have a third party who says can you can you notice how when you said that there was an element of hurt and that's what triggered that person to respond in that way and vice versa that because when you're in it you actually it's so familiar and so normal you wouldn't call naming shaming blaming uh, speaking from hurt anything other than your normal way of communicating and they would call that honesty yes and it is it is a matter then of taking responsibility to to steer it differently and often when i've have worked with couples who've had an affair i say to them why do you think the affair happened and then it's usually that um well she just wasn't satisfied um i couldn't believe that she wanted to to leave me and the children i mean what 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 kind of woman does that and there is a lot of hurt and therefore there's a lot of blaming naming and shaming goes on mm. and it is what you say it's sometimes because you're in it it's difficult to notice that you're doing that yeah. and cut it and then to say i wonder why she went outside the relationship because she didn't feel special anymore yeah and that's where you can bring appreciation into your relationship never stop voicing and appreciating the other person mm. because that really makes quite a big difference too and even if you bring that appreciation into why they had the affair the understanding and the appreciation of oh it's true we haven't been out i hadn't ever told her she's yeah. special yeah no wonder she and he made her feel like a goddess yes from the moment they met at the football yes. where the children used to play soccer yeah. he, he she just felt so amazing and you were you'd forgotten to keep reminding her that she was your goddess your muse yeah and you can do that after one day of knowing each other one week or 10 years 20 years 30 years 40 years it you you can celebrate your differences appreciate what each other brings yeah and differentiation in a relationship is also important i mean i've been saying that you commit to a mutual purpose and that is important but even then the way you go about doing that mm. doesn't have to be the same a lot of couples think when you can be just like me we'll get on famously yeah but that's never going to happen no. don't hold your breath guys so when i can respect that the way you do it even though it's different from the way i do it it's not wrong it's just different yes i love the fact that my husband approaches life actually very very differently to me his his family of origin very different to my family of origin but what we bring together is is amazing you know i love him to bits and pieces but i had to stop trying to mold him into you know doing everything my way well that's where a lot of relationships fall apart in the early years and mm. we my husband and i did it as well and then we learned that the other person's way is fine yeah um if we just breathe 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like the tray, the, the cutlery tray of the dishwasher to look a particular way. You know, it, it does help. But yes, I breathe when there are spoons and knives and forks all mixed in together. But that's, that is like that because someone doesn't unpack the dishwasher and therefore doesn't see the most time-efficient way to unpack the dishwasher, surely. Yeah. <laughs> I personally don't have a problem with them all being jumbled up. I just pick out all the forks first and then all the knives first and then all the spoons. And how lovely is that? That's a relationship where you can sit there and, and go, well, this is my way. And you go, well, this, I get that, but this is how I do that. So we we have found the efficient way and we can both go, oh, I love your way, Jean. Yeah. Now I'll, I'll chill out a little bit now because I know that y- there is an order to what you're doing as well. And I think maybe it's just that panic that someone <laughs> is doing it differently. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We don't like other. We no, like same. They do. We do. Now, um, perfect segue into talking about parenting because we quite want everyone to do everything the way we think it's the best way to Ooh, do it. Very much so. Yeah. Now, when two parents who have cohabited and parented, perhaps even in the same house, not in the same way, but when they're parenting from two different households, that is a that is a melting pot for a very confused. Um, uh, um, canvas for a young person going between two homes and two different parenting styles, isn't it? Look, I've, I've often been asked this question even in the same household where the parents have a different style and I personally don't believe that we need to be on the same page. Mm. I think children are incredibly resourceful and resilient and they know that dad can be manipulated and mum can't. And that's quite useful discernment to have at an early age because in life you need to know who can be manipulated and who can't. Okay. But we're not promoting manipulation here, Jean, are we just no, checking? but we are promoting life skills and okay. getting what you want. Okay. It's a, you know, one has to get through this. All recognising, recognising um, what... Uh, I guess it's reading people, isn't it? So. Yeah, it depends how you define manipulation. Yeah. You know, I'm saying that if I know that if I present the case in a certain way to my father, then he will align. Okay. Whereas if I present the case in the same way to my mother, she'll bar me. Absolutely. So it's a, it's, you could call that manipulation or you could call that discernment and, and life skills. Yeah, presentation skills. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree, totally. Yeah. I'm a, we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> and so if, if you're living in separate homes, the purpose again, is to bring as much love as possible to the existence of the child. Okay. But often when parents are living separately, they're still trying to hurt each other mm. and unfortunately they're using the child as the vehicle to to hurt. Mm. So um, it's, it's more to say what, what, how is the best we can be so that this child is the least impacted by our, our differences. Mm. And so when your purpose is that to make the child as comfortable and harmonious as possible, then you stop again the hurtful naming, blaming and shaming. So uh, I'm sounding a bit like a, a stuck record here, but I say that when you have purpose, you commit to that. You take responsibility to commit to your purpose. And that takes out a lot of the um, the hurting, the behavior that comes from hurt. You say, yes, I'm hurt, but how I'm behaving now is not going to give me a harmonious relationship for the child. Mm. And even if there are no children, you can then you don't have to see each other anymore, so mm. it's a lot easier. Mm. But you can still take responsibility for 
having been hurt and say, okay, I was hurt, but I don't have to then carry this forward into the rest of my life. I can say, that heal the hurts and move on. I've noticed people who don't have children have cats or dogs or guinea pigs and, and they treat them in the same way. And funnily enough, um, from, gosh, this is going back a great many years, but I remember um, the the dogs, the dog in particular in this relationship, and we're talking oh, oh, 15 years ago maybe, that dog had separation anxiety and was and had whenever they had a row, the dog would play up incredibly. And when they actually were decent with each other, the dog settled down. So everything in our lives, it's not just human beings, everything is a potential reflection to the conflict and what we're feeding and the... Um, that hate kills, hate yeah. harms. I think what you're saying, what I hear you say, Lucy, is that everything is energy. Mm. And if we're in the energy of of decency and love, yeah. then that p- prevails. Yeah. And if we're aligning with the energy of hate and hurt, then that prevails. Yes. So the thing is to take responsibility for which energy we're aligning with almost. you could. That's what I mean when I say about vibration, how I am living yeah. is my vibration yeah i the, the i can't imagine life without considering that i'm swimming in a pool of water and that everything i do affects everyone else so if i'm peeing in that water by being in a bad mood or spewing out or having hate in my body then that's that's coming out and affecting everyone and i know that to be true because i have children in my home who say to me mom why are you angry and i'm going i'm fine I, you know, and actually I'm clearly not fine, but I'm saying to them, I'm fine, you know, and it's just spewing all over them and they're going, but I have, you know, they're reading my energy and they can feel it before I even arrive home. So I, I can't imagine considering life as not being about energy anymore. And that, that what you've just described reminds me of couples who say, well, we won't fight in front of the children. Yeah. And then the children learn to not trust their perception because mm. they can feel that energy just like you said your children can say mum why are you angry before you've even opened your mouth they yeah. know so parents deludedly imagine that because they're not fighting openly in front of the children that the children are blissfully unaware that there's issues and this is so wrong and it's even more disturbing for the children when the parents are pretending yeah. to be angry because then the child begins to think, oh, well, I thought they were upset. I'm wrong. Therefore, I can't trust my perception. Yeah. And our perception is what we need yeah. to take us forward in the world, a trust in what we know and feel. You know, uh, I work a lot with um, domestic violence situations and I'm really aware that one is no better than the other. Fighting in front of the children is incredibly traumatising and actually is is um, has been researched and shown to influence them for the rest of their lives. But not fighting in front of the children and pretending everything's fine when actually there's a level of aggression or threat in the air is just as harmful but because because it's unspoken and unseen it's seen as less damaging yep it's true my guest in the studio today is Jean Gamble. We've been talking about how to navigate the rough seas of separation. Um, does it have to be messy if one person is going to um, lose out or not? Or what we're actually starting to discover is that 
if we can ditch the naming, blaming and shaming and appreciate how we got into the situation in the first place, there is a potential to build out of it, to build, to learn something about ourselves. Jean, where do we go when, where do we go from that space which feels a little like rock bottom can I say uh, you know where do we go yeah look rock bottom is an interesting when you when when you've reached the depths of murkiness between you and it's it's ugly and purposeless and unloving um, I think you it would be good to seek support if you're even if the support is that you're going to end the relationship, the support can help you to end it in a way that is the least damaging than if you did it on your own, perhaps. And really hurt is the main culprit because when we've been hurt, we want revenge. And so that gets uglier. Mm. And instead of accepting that I've been hurt and I take responsibility for soothing my hurts and I look at the purpose of ending this relationship as successfully as possible. How can we have a good ending despite my hurt? And that's quite a big ask when you've been wounded. Mm. But really, especially if they're children, it's so worth doing. Mm. And as I said before, I know people who've spent more money on the lawyers arguing over the settlement than each of them, either of them received. So there's a level of taking responsibility on a practical level to ensure that, um, you know, that you have somewhere to live and, and the assets are divided up. But equally, um, a responsibility about the body and the emotional body that you are taking into the rest of your life, that it isn't um, done, either, neither are done from hurt. We don't need the big lifestyles, do we, that we might have lived as a couple? Oh, that's so true, Lucy. And I, I just had a lady in my office recently and she's separated and her girlfriend said to her, be prepared to shrink your world because as a couple, if you had you know, a, quite a lavish lifestyle, you've got used to that and that's your normal and that's how people perceive you and it's how you like to be perceived. Then when you've halved the assets, you cannot have that same level of lavish lifestyle anymore. Mm. But do you really need it? Yeah. Or is it another picture? Is it so that your posts on Facebook impress everybody? Or can you shrink your world and say, what's best for me and my children here? And it's to live within the means that are now afforded you and to live lovingly and with responsibility and even purpose. Yeah. And never think that you'll never have another relationship. I see quite a few couples who've come together in their 60s. One is a third marriage and the truth is that what you don't sort out in your first relationships follows you into your next ones. Relationships are there. Yeah. It doesn't go away. They're living and breathing, aren't they? They absolutely mm. live and breathe. And what isn't dealt with returns mm. in the next one. So you, you, really a useful thing for people who have finished a relationship. They've sorted it. They're not coming from hurt anymore. And they want to move forward. Firstly, don't lace your new relationship potential with the old one. Mm -hmm. 
let it bury it, let it go, mm. learn from it, mm. but let it go. And then any new relationship that you might want, the real secret here is to live as if you already have this relationship. Mm. Because everything is energy, when you are living in a way that includes a loving partner, so you you say to them, even if they're not there, guys, you say, what are we going to do this weekend, sweetheart? And then they say in your mind, oh, I think I'd like to see this movie that's just come out. And you say, okay, I'll organize a sitar on Saturday night so we can go and see this movie. So you start to live in a way as if this thing is already in your life. Because everything is energy, living in that way sets up a vibration where there's now a space for this very thing that you're looking for to enter into that space that you've created. Whereas if you live in the yearning of, oh, I want a relationship, I really want a relationship, or I'll never get another relationship, there's no space there for the energy to enter into. But it's ambulance space, isn't it? So anyone that comes into it is like, mm, that just feels really heavy or there's a great burden or an expectation on me. What am I attracting? Exactly. Yes. And also you might attract someone who's going to come in and save you. And then as you build and, and fill up that piece of the pizza pie that that has they that, that person that you've wambulanced to come into your life is filled, then the moment you don't need them there, they're, they're going to feel rejected and it's a cycle happening all over all again. All over again. And look for patterns, you know, if you are, if you have had a few relationship mm. break, breakups, look for patterns of what is it that I make when I'm with this person. Could they be childhood patterns too? Very much okay. so. Nearly everything. Like with your parents perhaps? Everything we've learned ah, okay. was at the feet of our parents. So look at the family of origin. Okay. Look at the, the, the pictures, the ideals, the beliefs that you that you wrote, you, you bought into, mm. that might be carrying into the next relationship. But really start to have a purpose of living your life for you. You don't need a relationship. You need a relationship with you that is loving and supportive. And then you vibrate at that level, you attract someone in who also wants to live for them lovingly and beautifully. Yeah. Not out of this, I need something, therefore I'm compromised with whatever comes in. When you were sharing that conversation you have, what are we going to do today, darling? I could imagine how gorgeous it was to have that conversation. I mean, you are having it with yourself, but rather than project it onto to another person, that's, how you, that's the level of conversation you're going to have with you, and that's actually going to be your normal. And it might be going to the movies on your own, but you're not. You're going with you. So true. It, and, you know, then you set a standard for what is acceptable as your level of decency. And then you will spot someone who can match that level of decency. And you'll, you, the person who can't and who's just putting on a face won't will not be, be able to... And they won't be able to fool you either, will they? Yeah. And it really is vibration. It's mad yeah. to think about this. And it, it's been proven. Recently, I saw a scientific study where they split a proton which is a very, very small particle, and they put it 14 miles apart, and they took each piece of the proton four, seven miles away from it, and then they tickled one half, and the other half responded simultaneously. Oh, so wow. it wasn't how long it took that message to travel there. It was that they were already connected energetically. Wow. So when you are living in a loving way, what you are emitting will be felt by someone who's living in a loving way and they will be attracted by that. Whereas when you're living in a needy, unloving, resentful, hurt way, you will attract that. 
So it's really about taking responsibility for living the relationship you want to attract already before it happens. Onward and forward. Onward and forward. Jean, thank you so much. Um, We could go on. We could carry on unpeeling and unpacking. Uh, My sense is that what we've given is a really great opportunity for people to, for each and every one of us, to look at relationships in our lives and make sure we're paying attention to the small details so that we actually don't end up having a relationship breakdown, whether that be with the bus driver or with the people who we get our vegetables from or um, our, our, our children or our parents or our loving partner that we actually develop a way of living that is in relationship with everyone equally and that we bring the decency, the respect, the connection and the purpose. Was that the circle? Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. Let's hope that let's hope that the message has landed because it's a message of hope. It is a message of hope, isn't it? Thank you very much. So wow, everything um, relationships are everything. They're essential to our mental and physical health and well being. The most important relationship to develop, as we say, each week is the one with ourselves. Next week's show on Stay in the Loop with Lucy is a surprise, even to me. (laughs) I'm waiting for the person to confirm that it's going to happen. But as ever, it will be awesome. It'll be amazing. And we will be here at 8.30. So tune in live on Triple H 100.1 FM or later via the Stay in the Loop with Lucy podcast, wherever you get them. Don't forget, I'm on iTunes podcast now, SoundCloud, Stitcher and TuneIn. So if you want to leave a message on any of those or a... um, a review that would be fantastic it's always pertinent to remind ourselves that whatever has or is happening in our lives we are and always will be us constantly learning but underneath and in our essence amazing the key is to reconnect with that space and learn to build a relationship with our body that holds that essence so we can recognize when our body's trying to tell us something is not quite right and then seek support with the appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. By listening and responding, we can build the tools to address what we do not yet feel equipped to manage. Because, of course, we most likely do have the skills, we just don't yet have the confidence to apply them. Look for support in the community, it is there. And so time to open up to that support and learn to trust again. That way we don't wait for life to come to us. We take ourselves to life and we be the change we want to see. Till next week's show, be kind, be caring, be loved, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.